Hello, good morning. I am so happy and glad to be with you all today on what is week one of our new Christmas series called The Gift. And that is very, very exciting for me. I, um, I know a lot of you quite well, uh, many of you that have been coming to MKCC for years. And if there's one thing I could say about the people of MKCC is that when it comes to Christmas time, we don't just do Christmas, you know, we, we do Christmas. Like we do Christmas and we do Christmas well. <laughs> it's something I've always loved, even about our church. You know, when it comes to Christmas time, we make the most of this period. That's my kind of church. You know, that's my, you're my kind of people if you do Christmas big, um, because I love Christmas so much. Uh, you know, we love it. It's, it's a great time for us to celebrate. Um, it's an incredible time for us to, to obviously remember Jesus' coming, to know his, his coming to earth and to celebrate that. Um, and it's, it's a great time that really brings a lot of us together. It brings people together. Like I said, I personally really thrive at this time of year. Um, you know, I, I was talking to someone just a few minutes ago and, and actually, you know, when I think about the span of the year, um, if it's not above 20 degrees and shining outside, uh, then it better be Christmas because the rest of the year, I'm just, I'm not here for. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it could be erased from the calendar altogether. January, February, I think we should just get rid of those months because I, I hate it. I'm all about the sunshine and the warmth or Christmas. <laughs> I love it. Um, I don't know if anybody has their advent calendars. I'm, I'm sure most of us have advent calendars. I've, I've loved personally like dipping into my Toblerone calendar. Uh, if there's any of my family watching, you want to what kind of chocolate I'm into now. I love Toblerone. Big fan of that. And actually, for the first time, um, me and Damalola watched a fantastic movie, Christmas movie. It's, it's been one of my favourites. It's really the first time for Damalola. Miracle on 34th Street. We watched that last weekend. And what can I say? It is hands down, one of the best Christmas films of all time. I love this film so much. Uh, Damalo liked it as well. Um, and so even now, like, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me? You know, let, let me know in the chat, what movie, what Christmas movie do you think I should watch next? Like, what's your all-time favourite Christmas movie, your all-time favourite favorite Christmas film? Put it in the chat, put it in the comments. Uh, let, me, let me see what you guys think. It really is a fun time of year. And, you know, there's no doubt that over this period, we all grow closer together, which I love. And, and we make memories and there's moments that happen that, that happen around Christmas time. This is um, really quite fantastic. You know, however, something that I've always kind of found quite odd about, you know, this kind of period leading up to the Christmas season is, is that as much as it's a great opportunity for all these great things, it's also a great opportunity for pretty much all of us to kind of put on that that mask to, to kind of wear that that mask you know that mask um that uh, that that kind of hides some of the more kind of maybe painful or disruptive parts of our lives you know with so much else to kind of preoccupy ourselves with and to focus on it's it really is the season to to pretend that everything is okay that everything's fine even when it's maybe not that fine, even when maybe things aren't, you know, okay. Um, and actually, when we read through the story and we read through the Gospels about Jesus' birth uh, and the events surrounding it, it, it's very easy, I think, to do exactly that same thing when we read about Jesus' birth, to, to kind of sugarcoat what was really happening. You know, we read about 
the angels and the shepherds when we see the nativity and the angels that filled the sky and and worshipped and announced that the Messiah was here and we're like that's incredible we read about the magi that brought the gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and again they worshipped and it's and it's wonderful and we see this as the most wonderful time of year but when we look a bit deeper into the story of Jesus we see that actually behind all of that and those things were incredible but behind all of that there's there's more to this story um there was more going on than maybe what we like to talk about sometimes in in the nativity. I mean, in the beginning of John's account of Jesus' life, uh, in John chapter 1, we read this. We can read in verse 3, it says this. Through him, and it's talking about Jesus, it says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Just a few verses on from this, verse 9 kind of gives us a bit, a bit more insight. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And should we, we should take a moment to really uh, picture and understand what's happening here. You see, Jesus came and was born as a baby into a world where the leader at the time, King Herod, the leader of Judea, wanted Jesus killed so badly, wanted him dead right from, the, right from the start, that he actually ordered the killing of many male babies, loads of them under the age of two, because he didn't want to risk that Jesus would survive. He wanted him dead. Now, I don't have children, but even to picture that and to really kind of grasp that is, is a terrifying thought. You know, not only that, but Jesus was born into a world surrounded by people, all the people that were born around him, that, that, were, that were alive around him, would in just a few decades time be shouting for his death, be shouting again for him to be killed. See, Jesus was loved by many people when he was on earth, but he was hated by a lot of people too. And I think it just brings a lot more context to that, that line in John where it says, that, um, it says that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. See, there was more to this story than just angels and gifts from, from Magi. And so I believe this is all the more relevant when we talk about Christmas and of Jesus' birth because really it gets to the crux of why Jesus came. He was always going to be coming into a broken world that was there and, and was going to reject him. You know, we're talking about the light of life, as John said, the light of life that came into the darkest of worlds to shine light and ultimately to bring what was dead to life, to fix what was broken. And this world was and even now is desperately, desperately broken. And so, you know, we will continue to celebrate Christmas. Of course we will. And we should do. <laughs> we should celebrate Christmas. We should love the times that we spend together. But I want you to know that, that in the darkest of worlds, behind the surface, behind the festivities, behind the mask that we wear at Christmas, Jesus came into that world. Jesus comes into your world. He wants to be 
a part of your world. And so today as we talk about Jesus, I want you to leave feeling encouraged today. I want you to invite Jesus into more than just the festivities and carols, but actually allow him into every single part of your life. The bits that you feel you have together today and the bits that maybe you feel like you don't have together. The bits that are seen and that we put out for other people to see and the bits that are unseen, that only we know. Now, I'd love to start by sharing a story that, that is well known from Jesus's time on earth, and that was the raising of Lazarus. Um, you can read about this story in John chapter 11. I'm just going to take part of it, but I'd encourage you to go away and read the whole chapter. Um, but we can read in John 11 the story as we see that word reaches Jesus that Lazarus, whom he loved, whom he knew well, was severely ill. And what we read is that when Jesus knew this, he then chose to wait a couple of days until he heard that Lazarus had now died. Once he had heard that Lazarus had died, he then decided to travel with his disciples to the place where he was buried. And when he got there, he had found that Lazarus had been dead for four days at this point. And Jesus looked around and he could see how sad people were, how Mary and Martha, who were Lazarus's sisters, were, were distraught. They were so sad. The Jews, the people that knew him were also sad because Lazarus, their friend, their brother, had died. We read in John 11, this, verse 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there will be a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. And Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And Lazarus walked, who is now alive. This is an amazing moment, an incredible moment. And a question that often gets asked when we talk about this story is, well, why did Jesus wait? Why did Jesus wait when he heard that Lazarus was ill? Jesus knew that Lazarus was ill. He knew that he was sick. And people around and even Jesus knew that he had the power with just one word, without even speaking, he could make Lazarus well. So why wait until his body was dead and buried? Why wait for people to begin mourning before he then chose to perform this miracle? And I think that's a really, really good question. And a question that, a question that deserves a lot of thinking about. And if you, like I said, if you read the whole passage for yourself, you see so many incredible things that Jesus actually said through this passage. To be honest, more things than we could cover today. But I would encourage you to go and look and to read and, and research for yourself. You see, in allowing Lazarus to die before bringing him to life, Jesus accomplished so much more than if he had just gone straight and then healed him at the moment that he knew that he was ill. See, many times in the Bible, Jesus performed miracles and he always performed them with a purpose in mind. There was more than just the miracle that Jesus was trying to accomplish when he did these things. He would often illustrate, you know, who he was or, or what he was able to do using the miracles that he performed. See, one of the reasons why we call uh, the works that Jesus did signs and wonders is because a sign is just that. It points towards something else. 
And so Jesus was doing more than just bringing Lazarus back from the dead in this moment. He was teaching everyone around and even me and you, all of us that can read about this now, he was teaching us something deeper than what it seemed on the surface. And all of this obviously was coupled with the fact that he was just overflowing with kindness and compassion for the people around. And so the people around him, like I said, had seen Jesus do miracles. They'd seen him heal a man of blindness. They'd seen him, seen him heal and restore. They'd seen him give hope and teach incredible life-changing truths. You see, by allowing Lazarus to die, Jesus so showed them the boundlessness of his power in that moment. You see, Jesus was more than a prophet. He was more than a man that was filled with love and kindness that taught great things. No, he was, Jesus was God in the body of a man. He had power over sickness. And as he brought Lazarus back to life, he showed everyone around him that he had complete power over life in, in all that that meant, over life itself. You see, if we go back a few verses to the verses I just read, we see a conversation that Jesus had with Martha as they're approaching Lazarus's tomb. And Jesus said this to her in verse 25. And this is, um, this takes some kind of thinking about it. So, so listen carefully. In verse 25, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And let me read that. There's a, a sentence there that I'm just going to read again. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, yes, Lazarus had, had died. He died. He was dead, dead and buried. In the natural sense, people would have looked at Lazarus and says, well, that's it. Our friend is gone. That's it. Game over. There's nothing more to life than what we see in his body. But actually, that wasn't the end. And that's why it's so important to listen to what Jesus says. Because in using Lazarus's death to teach the people around him, he was showing them that what Jesus gives, what he can give, goes far beyond what we can see and feel and touch, the things that we can see with our, with our eyes. It goes beyond the physical. It goes deeper than your health and all of the days of your life. And instead, it goes right to the heart, right to the core of who you are, your very spirit. And he says that though your body may die and your health may deteriorate, I can give you life beyond all of those things. And that comes from me. It comes from Jesus. Eternal life. Starting right now, the moment you choose to believe in me, your life can have purpose. Your life can have meaning. I can take what was dead, buried and rotting in a tomb and I can put life into it. And I can take you who without me are spiritually dead and I can make you fully alive. That's what Jesus was saying. This is why Jesus came. He came for you. You. To make you fully alive, not just now, but from now to the day you die and even past there for eternity. Now, I know we all love gifts at Christmas. Um, <laughs> uh, well, if we're being honest, we all love a Christmas. You know, lots of us would be like to say, you know, no, it's the sentiment that counts. You don't need to get me a gift. But I know we all like getting gifts. Let's just, this is a safe space. We can, we can admit that. And I remember, I can remember years ago when I, I got, um, got a, uh, a PlayStation 2, right? I know the PlayStation 5's out now. I know only a few people have it because they sold out or something. But I remember getting the PlayStation 2. And that was like, when I got that, I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is, like, this is such a cool gift. Um, and unfortunately, I have to say that I, I although I thought, it was a, you know, an exaggeration when I was younger that this happens. I can say this is the truth that now I'm older 
I get that same level of excitement when you know my wife buys me you know new socks and and I genuinely thought that was a cle- I thought that was just that was just something that people said adults said so that we can actually get them nice things but that young people watching that is actually the truth you will get excited over very mundane things like that when you're older um but when we talk about gift giving you know and and I think about the life that Jesus gifts gives it's a lot like that it's a it, not mundane or like a playstation I don't mean that but it's a gift it is a gift It's a gift that cost him more than any one of us could ever try and pay. But it is that. It's a gift. You can't buy it. You don't earn it. You don't need to pay two years finance for it. No, it is a completely free gift. And I know we all like gifts. You know, they don't require you to do anything. All you need to do is simply receive it. And so what I'd like to do today, I'd actually like to give one of you in each of these services a gift. That's coming from me. And you don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to do a single thing. But I have got a gift for you today. This is a a £10 voucher for the Centre MK, which is going to be hand-delivered after it's sat for 72 hours to one of you, to your very homes. And so all you have to do to receive this gift right now, all I need you to do is to just, in the comments right now, I just need to write these two simple words. I just need to write the words, thank you. Just write the words, thank you. That's all you've got to do. Just write the words thank you and then through the power of the internet in the next week I will go and look at the comments. I will pick someone at random. I promise it will be random. There won't be any favoritism shown. Um, And it's just going to be a gift from me to you. You don't need to do anything. All you have to do is receive it. You see, that's how gifts work. You don't have to do anything for it. You, You give it to the people that you love and that you care about. And as the receiver, all we simply do when we get a gift is we just accept it and then we say thank you because it was that, it was a gift. And Jesus has given that gift and I'm, I'm so glad that we can talk about it this Christmas, that, that Jesus has given you the gift of life, eternal life. See, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, says this, he says that we've been saved and we'll be with Jesus. And then he quotes from verse 7 onwards. He says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift of life from God himself to you today. The gift of eternal life. Eternal life experiencing over and over and over the riches of his grace, his kindness in Jesus. You won't get tired of it. You won't feel like you need something new or something different because God himself is infinite. And so we won't ever reach the limits of his grace and his goodness and his majesty. I'd love to just share this quote from a a man called John Piper to you. So you have to listen carefully because it's a little bit long. And it says this, he says, talking about eternal life. There will be no boredom in the age to come. His mercies will be new every morning. Therefore, the reservoir of blessings to prompt the pleasures of gratitude will grow larger and larger. And the river of blessings still flowing from the future will never decrease because the source is infinite. And you remember the definition of infinite. Something is infinite if it can give away forever and never get smaller. Infinite gives and gives and gives and never becomes less. Eternal life will be the never-ending giving of God to make us ever increasingly happy in all that he is for us in Jesus. 
See, eternal life is truly the greatest gift we could ever receive because when we receive eternal life, we're receiving God himself in all of his goodness and his kindness and his grace and his wonder and his power. And like I said at the beginning, you know, this this moment happens. We experience eternal life the moment that we choose to believe in Jesus. That's when eternal life starts, not when you die, but right now when you accept Jesus and you say, Jesus, come and fill me, come and live with me. And that's God's desire for you today to know him, to experience his presence, this eternal life in everything you do from right now, past the point you die and forever and ever and ever. See, John 10, 10, that I'm sure lots of us know, says this, says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I, and that's Jesus, I have come to give you life and life to the full, eternal life. It's the same man that brought Lazarus back from the dead and put life into his bones. It's the same man that came as a baby, the light of the world, into the darkness of this world, who would ultimately die on a cross so that we, you, could have eternal life with him. And today God gives you the gift of life in him. And all he asks is that you simply receive it like a gift. He wants you to open your heart and to let him call life into every single part of you. To help you know what it means to truly, truly live. So for every one of us that is seeking to experience more of God this Christmas, and to be honest, I think that's probably every single one of us, to live each day in this eternal life, then why don't you just pray with me now? And, and if that's for the first time, then absolutely you can pray this as well. Why don't we pray? <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you so much that though the world was so broken and so dark and our lives so messed up, that didn't stop you, light of the world, coming into this world to shine your incredible, marvellous light, to shine it into our hearts to die so that we could have life. And we thank you, God. Right now, we say we accept that gift of eternal life. Even today in this moment, we accept the gift of eternal life. Thank you for that gift. Help us to be so aware of your presence in our life, your goodness, your love and your kindness. With every single waking moment that we would live with eternity in mind, we would live that eternal life starting now and that that would would set the direction for everything else that is to come. God, we thank you that death is not the end. We thank you that there is more than just what these bodies have, Lord, and that we have eternity with you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.